Welcome to the connection between us, recognizing our true brother and sisterhood, episode four, honoring Black History Month. I'm your host, John V. Foster. So during this month of February, Black History Month, I will dedicate another episode to talking about Black history and continue shedding light on our past as well as the present condition of our nation. We always need to hear the truth, regardless of how disturbing it is or how uncomfortable it makes us feel. We only have to hear about it. Imagine having to live through it. So again, I will be reading from our family history book, The Wind of Meridian, from Freedom Through Slavery to Freedom, written by my cousin, Shirley Jenkins. Shirley gave us this gift of our family history, for which I am forever grateful. From the Wind of Meridian, continuing on with the story of Rebecca, her descendants, and the history of America. Quote, The greatness of Africa and its people have been overlooked by historians, usually for racist reasons. In order to justify slavery, whites had to develop a perception of innate inferiority of the black race. By suppressing the truth about Africa and Africans, Historians have done the world a great disservice. The Africans have had a long and lively history and have made numerous contributions to the world. They created cultures and civilizations, developed sophisticated systems of government, and enveloped an inner spiritual life so powerful that it produced the finest art known to man. They mastered the skill of working with metals and gold mining. They were the creators of great sculptures. They gave birth to the most celebrated and admired forms of song, music, and dance. African-American slaves were very accomplished, skilled artisans. They were responsible for the building of the South. They were bricklayers, coopers, stonemasons, master carpenters, shoemakers, tanners, mechanics, painters, shipbuilders, etc., Modern-day observers must keep in mind when admiring the beautiful buildings still standing in the South that it was the African-American laborers who built these structures. After the end of slavery, these highly skilled artisans were quickly blocked from pursuing their trades due to discriminatory practices of the building associations, unions, and apprenticeship programs. The enslaved African-Americans were able to develop a vibrant culture of their own, Life in the slave quarters was vibrant and uniquely life-affirming. The strength of the black spirit has marveled historians for centuries. Although the body was enslaved, these people managed to still laugh, love, have children, and have full lives under a system of tyranny. The slaves' religion was the most important aspect of their survival as a people. It allowed them to maintain their dignity and self of se- sense of self, even though their bodies were enslaved. The marriage ceremony for slaves was an important event. At some point during their enslavement, Granville Cole and Rebecca became husband and wife. Slaves could only marry with the permission of the slave owner. More than likely, Rebecca and Granville were married in the big house given her special house servant status. The broomstick may have been used following the service. The term jumping the broom had its origin in slavery. The couple would hold hands and jump over the broomstick, signifying that they had jumped into the land of matrimony. By the year 1860, the United States was being torn apart by regional factions. 
the tensions between slaveholding states of the South and the industrial states of the North began brewing as a rumbling of discontent and escalated to a roar by the time the 1860 presidential election rolled around. The Civil War was the bloodiest war ever fought on American soil. It was brother against brother, father against son. It nearly destroyed the young nation before it had the opportunity to grow into the world power that it would become. Southern arrogance and hypocrisy in defending a way of life that had the stench of rotting fruit clinging to it was the catalyst that sent the young nation into war. Southerners felt that they were losing power in Congress as the European population of the North increased and Western expansion increased. With each state added to the Union, the question of whether the state would come in as allowing slavery or not was repeatedly debated. As the threat of abolition loomed larger, Southerners began to whisper threats of seceding from the Union and forming a separate country. The insidious unjust institution of slavery had persecuted the children of Africa, but had also created generations of the privileged class of white Southerners who were lazy, self-indulgent, cruel, and indolent. They could, they could not clearly see the folly of secessionist idealism. Southerners held on to the belief that the Union was moving toward the abolition of slavery and thus the destruction of the Southern economy. With each faction vying for control of the White House, the 1860 presidential election saw several nominees running for the presidency. On November 6, 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States of America. He was the first Republican elected. The South was incensed by the outcome of the election. On December 20, 1860, South Carolina became the first state to declare that it was seceding from the United States. On January 9, 1861, the state of Mississippi was the second to submit its secession proclamation. Mississippi was quickly followed by Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, Virginia, Arkansas, Tennessee, and North Carolina. On February 9, 1861, the Confederate States of America was formed with Jefferson Davis as president. Four other slaveholding states refused to join the Confederacy. They were Maryland, Delaware, Kentucky, and Missouri. The state of West Virginia was formed in June 1861 when some citizens of the state of Virginia re refused to join the Confederacy and instead elected to remain loyal to the federal government by forming the new state of West Virginia. In April of 1861, the Confederacy under General Beauregard opened fire with 50 cannons attacking Fort Sumner in Charleston, South Carolina. The Civil War had officially begun. The, the war raged on for four years. It estimated that three million men fought in the war and 600,000 died. Lauderdale County, Mississippi, was a strategic area for the Confederate Army. In the 1860s, Marion Station was the county seat with nearby Meridian operating as the Confederate Supply Center. The area had a well-developed railway system run by the Mobile and Ohio Railroad Company. It was located near waterways and in very close proximity to Mobile, Alabama, 
which was the most efficient route to the sea. The Haram Mahan plantation where Rebecca and some of her children were enslaved was a stone's throw from the Confederate hospital. It was only a matter of time before Union Brigadier General William Tecumseh Sherman decided to make an assault on the Meridian area. His goal was to destroy the Confederate supply there. In Alvina Foster's narrative, Alvina, who is my great-grandmother, in her narrative, she stated that she recalled Sherman's march through Marion Station. She was only five years old when he came through in February 1864 on his Meridian expedition, but the memory vividly stayed with her all her life. General Sherman not only captured key areas of the Confederacy, but he destroyed everything in sight during his, his assaults. The Meridian expedition occurred between February 14, 1864 and February 20, 1864. Sherman's objective was to destroy the supply center by breaking up the railroad connecting it to the two other major supply centers in Selma and Mobile, Alabama. Prior to the Meridian expedition, Sherman had been stationed in Vicksburg, Mississippi, where he, where he had been successful in capturing and destroying that city. Sherman left Vicksburg on his Meridian expedition on February 3, 1864, with thousands of soldiers. The Union Army destroyed everything in their path. Additionally, as the Army marched through the Mississippi countryside, 3,000 African-American slaves joined the marching troops seeking refuge within the Union ranks. The escaped African-Americans were referred to as contraband of war. Certainly, they could smell deliverance from bondage as crisp and clear as the cold morning air. The large colonial home built by African-American slaves of Hiram Mahan was situated on a hill, the highest point in Marion Station. During the Civil War, the residents and their neighbors gathered on the front porch of the home to see the Union Army approach. General Sherman's troops began burning and looting everything in sight, including plantation homes and businesses. Brigadier General James Veach accompanied Sherman on his raid through Mississippi. Veach, who was in charge of the Marion destruction, did not burn the Mayhem Plantation because it was strategically located at the highest point. He decided to use it as his headquarters. Hiram Mahan was not present. He had left his pregnant wife to fend for herself. The only people left on the plantation were very pregnant Susan Mahan, her stepchildren, and the African-American slave women, among them being Rebecca, Melissa, and five-year-old Alvina. Rebecca no doubt prayed in her heart for the freedom a union victory would bring to her and her children. Freedom could not come soon enough for Rebecca. She still mourned the loss of her children who had been sold away from her. She vowed to find them when freedom came. In January 1865, transportation problems and successful blockades by the Union Army caused severe shortages of food and supplies for the Confederate Army. Starving Southern soldiers began to desert the Confederate Army of General Robert E. Lee. On April 9, 1865, General Lee and Union General Ulysses S. Grant met at Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia 
and the Confederates surrendered. The Civil War ended with a victory for the Union. On December 31, 1865, the 13th Amendment of the United States was ratified, officially ending slavery in the United States of America. The people of African descent were finally free after more than 300 years of enslavement. Rebecca and her children could now begin their journey toward freedom. End quote. And what a long journey that would be. Because here we are, 160 years later, confronting issues that are inevitably present, considering that not long ago, 11 states declared war on the United States of America in order to maintain the unjust institution of slavery. The South had established, quote, our new government is founded upon, its foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition. This was in the Confederate Constitution. The goal of the Confederacy was the protection and expansion of slavery. They refused to accept black people as humans who deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Tortures, torture of black people was a way of life. There was a sadistic mentality pervading the South. That is the legacy of our nation, and it's not pretty. We need to reconcile the crimes against humanity committed on this soil. We need to be that promise of America with liberty and justice for all, not just for a few, for every single one of us. Systemic oppression is built into the system. The Civil War ended the lives of more than 620,000 men, but it did not end the vitriol in people's hearts, no. The seditionists created a type of hell for black people. In, re in retaliation to losing the war, they established black codes, Jim Crow, the KKK, and freely committed lynchings. And when slavery and lynch lynchings were prohibited, they continued their reign of violence in other ways. The Tulsa Massacre, for example. A massacre with no accountability. And the malice continues with countless shootings, beatings, and abuse of innocent black men. If you're a racist, there's an occupation where you can victimize others with little or no consequence. The institutions will protect you, enable you, and hide your crimes. Our country has always been a place of subjugation, yet still, black people in so many ways have overcome. My great-grandmother survived the brutalities of slavery without becoming bitter and vengeful. They passed on strength and love to their descendants, rising above. We shall overcome, said Dr. King, and when. What will it take for us to overcome the toxicity in our hearts and in our minds? We are still confronted with the same mentality that led us into war with our own countrymen 160 years ago. Sentiments don't just disappear because an army is defeated. We've never had this idea of, now that the war is over, let's just all get along. How are we valuing the blood, sweat, and tears that built this incredible nation? Our union victory meant that we were to live up to the promise of America, upholding the inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
The problems we continue to face today are remnants of the same issues we've always had because we have not overcome. We continue to find ways to victimize and discriminate against others. We need to decide what kind of America do we want to be. America, this great experiment, is being tested over and over again. Democracies come and go. Will ours be able to survive? Can we live together as one nation? The South didn't think so. They wanted no part of this United States of America. So we still have very different ideas about how we wish to live in this grand old country of ours. What will it take for us to get along? Is that even a possibility? We are still writing our story. And in my chapter, I want to let my ancestors know that all of their pain and suffering was not in vain. America the Beautiful. I stand with her, and I will do whatever I can to be part of creating a more perfect union. So I will end with one last passage from The Wind of Meridian. Quote, Rebecca suffered so much loss and disappointment in her life. In her loneliness, Rebecca found refuge in God, who she referred to as Asaugeta Amicia, the master of breath. She would pass down a strong spiritual legacy to her descendants. It was her belief in God that allowed her to sustain the brutality of enslavement. Rebecca died in 1898, a very old woman. After Rebecca's death, Martha, her daughter, could hear the wind gently whispering to her in the sweet voice of her mother, Well done, my daughter. Well done. The blood of our family will run for many generations to come. End quote. And so it is. Rebecca's descendants have now found one another. We have family reunions, and we gather together to celebrate our roots and to strengthen our branches. Rebecca's legacy lives on. I think she would be proud. Well, that is all for today. I pray that we can forge a better way forward and find ways to heal the wounds of our nation. In my next episode, March 20th, I will talk about the laws of cause and effect. We need to own our power and be the best version of ourselves. A better you is a better world. So tune in next time. Thank you for listening.